When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello guys. Yeah, Turin semifinals. We are going to be previewing it. Uh, apparently we didn't even cover today's Rublev Zverev match. Um, did you even watch it, Vansh? I mean, given that it was a dead rubber? I did manage to catch a little bit of it, yes. Um, yeah, not the most exciting of uh, stakes, I guess. Uh, but the semifinals and finals are going to be really good, so... Yeah, I think I said it earlier today on Twitter that like if our prize for having these semifinals is this evening session just being absolute trash, just being it instantly, that's okay. Uh, we are going to enjoy the weekend and forget about this evening session very quickly because both actually both in singles and in doubles, right? It was yeah. just a dead rubber. At least in doubles, you got a pairing that will actually go through. Mm-hmm. And uh, in singles, you just had two players who were already eliminated. So I didn't bother with it. I stayed at the darts tonight. <laughs> uh, so, um, yeah, um, now we can actually talk about these semis. And I guess we have some sort of an agenda that John sent us here. We might follow it as well, right? right? I mean, why not? Um, so the first one was actually Zverev Rublev, yeah. And uh, yeah, any takes on that and, you know, how how it went for the um, players here, um, like the whole campaigns, you know, the whole ATP finals for Rublev and Zverev, so the guys who have been eliminated. Uh, well, yeah, for Zverev, I mean, he went 2-1 and one in the round robin and didn't come through. Obviously played great against Alcaraz. 
Uh, and then, you know, had a lot of chances against Medvedev in, the, in both sets, actually, particularly in the first set tiebreak where he was up 4-1 and he missed an easy volley. And then he had a set point and made a mess of uh, this like plus one forehand. And that set kind of got away from him. So he, he probably will have a few regrets on the on the Medvedev match. As for this one, I think he, uh, I mean, he, he will be happy that he recovered from from the slow start. He was down, down an early break and he finally managed to get a win on the board against Rublev, who he lost to three times uh, this year. And also Rublev was very kind of, you know, defeated. He'll be, I think Rublev will be the most disappointed amongst these eight players in terms of how his campaign went, uh, particularly last year when he made the semis and, uh, you know, this year, how, how how well he had sort of done in Beijing and uh, uh, Paris and Vienna and in those tournaments, basically losing to the eventual winners. Uh, so that will, or I guess Shanghai. Shanghai is what I mean. Shanghai, Vienna, and Paris. So, I mean, from that standpoint, I think he, he was probably very burnt out. Uh, and also to just the uh, the nature of his, his losses tended to be that he would compete really, really hard in the first set in basically all three matches. And have a lot of his have a lot of opportunities, but then be very demoralized in the in the second set and kind of go dark on himself. So that's kind of what I saw. Yeah, we don't know how much the how much of that was the impact of the cold that he caught in Turin, but you know, after all, Andrew yeah, Rublev yes. is a player who sort of against the very best, he often lacks that little touch of of quality, and I guess that also kind of comes into the picture here. Yeah, just a horrific ATP Finals campaign, which is fine because last year he made the semis, so it's not like he was always like this at this event. However, you know, last year's semis, terrible match against uh, Kasper Ruth in the semis, mm-hmm. uh, where Rublev was obviously considered the favorite, you know, on such courts. So um, certainly as a whole, Andrei Rublev and his Nito ATP Finals experiences over the past four years, yeah, they haven't been too great. But, you know, the guy has made it four times in a row and he is actually very likely, I think, to make it for the fifth time in the in a row. I think he's one of the guys who kind of is pretty hard to... Uh, like, it's pretty hard to imagine him uh, the lineup without him next year. So, yeah. Um, yeah, that's kudos to him for that. But his ATP Finals showings have not been uh, impressive at all. And, uh, yeah, Zverev obviously kind of unlucky to miss out. Two and one. Um, the touring courts suit him a lot. He is actually very good at this event most of the time. 2018, he won it in London. 2021, he won, in, won it in Turin. And um, yeah, sort of just unlucky that because he actually did like very well. I mean, he won two matches. One of them, of course, wasn't in straights, which is why he didn't have a shot here. Uh, but um, yeah, the, the the opening set against Medvedev, especially the tiebreak, is probably where it went wrong for him. And he takes that, and then we have a completely different conversation before today, different qualifying scenarios. Uh, but as it stands, of course, he was eliminated after the um, Alcaraz-Medvedev match already, which um, I guess is what John meant here with the format. Um, because I, John texted me again about this head-to-head, you know, dilemma that we had yesterday, whether we should include it in the, um, in you know, in the tiebreakers, sort of. And John basically claimed that if the head-to-head wasn't the tiebreaker between two players, uh, then um, today would have been very different. Like, there wouldn't be all of these dead rubbers, right? Um I don't know. Uh, I think we can just pass on to Alcaraz Medvedev at this point, right? Sure. Yeah. Unless you have some takes on the on the format as a whole, and yeah, I mean, I, really. it's yeah. I, I think it it is kind of what it is, and 
it's unique in a sense that uh, it's like the only event basically that we have it like this on yeah. on the tour, I guess, along with the next gen finals. But uh, yeah, Sometimes I mean, I'm, it's I'm amazing. Fine with it. I mean, Federer Djokovic 2019, remember that much, the build up to it. Uh, I mean, yeah, that was obviously as a Federer fan, that was a very pleasing experience for me. That was a very pleasant experience. But um, just even before that much, you know, just this coming up, two of the goats facing each other in a shootout for who, to leave, who leaves the group. Yeah, that was that was something special for sure. Uh, and actually, uh, I, I will mention the darts because this week, actually, we have the Grand Slam of darts, one of the majors. And this is also the only event in a year out of the, let's say, the most important ones, the pro events that uses a group stage format as well. And it's always like around the same time as the ATP finals. And uh, there's a very similar dilemma there because we actually had, I think, five dead rubbers as a whole. So in the Grand Slam yeah. of Darts, you've got eight, um, you've got eight uh, groups. And I think five matches all in all at, at the end were actually dead rubbers. So they would basically throw them in at the beginning of the day and then finish off with the good stuff. And some of the shootouts for who enters the group were excellent. There were two, I mean, this is like an invitational sort of event for like the winners of stuff. You know, if you win a big tournament, you're going to be there. There were also two women involved. They were involved in these shootouts and in darts, it's like a huge thing when a woman, when a woman is playing and competing with the males, and especially when they're holding up, which they were. So, um, yeah, the disadvantages are clear, the advantages as well. And, well, sometimes we're going to get lucky. Today, we just didn't. Um, Alcaraz Medvedev, yeah, let's, let's chat about that now. And John obviously wants us to uh, remember that yesterday, both me and Vaj were under the impression that Carlos Alcaraz, will actually be a slight underdog to Daniel Medvedev indoors in Turin. Uh, John was uh, basically saying that, you know, the US Open is a flu. I mean, he didn't say that, but he was saying <laughs> that the US Open is a bit of an outlier and he's expecting the rivalry to get back to, like, you know, the previous turns, so Wimbledon, Indian Wells. Uh, were we wrong? Was John right? And if, for example, they play tomorrow, not tomorrow, but if they play on Sunday in the final, Will you still believe that Medvedev is a slight favorite or are you now shifting your perception? Well, I think the reason we thought that is just because of the speed of the courts and we thought that uh, Medvedev would have the upper hand of the servant return dynamic and that he would, you know, basically just be able to rely on that, uh, rely on getting those three points on the serve and rely on his, uh, you know, baseline sort of consistency and kind of replicate what he did. At, or at least come close to giving himself some chances in in big moments to uh, you know to win to win it when it, when it got tight and I guess technically Alcaraz was the slight favorite going into this match like based on the odds but but we knew that that you know it was gonna be this was gonna be the most uh, most sort of challenging thing for him and I guess we were we were a little wrong in terms of how the <laughs> how it, how it actually shaped up and that's the great thing about Alcaraz because he. He's a really quick learner, and he's he's fast at adapting himself, you know. And once he gets out of those early tough first rounds, and he works his way into the tournament, and he starts to feel like more comfortable in the conditions, then he becomes way more dangerous. And we, you know, we kind of saw that today with his like laser focus, and also just the tactics were just completely spot on again. This time, um, you know, I think Medvedev was more prepared for the white serves actually a lot of the times, and. Alcaraz was like, okay, I'll just go T, you know, on the on the deuce side, and I'll try to just mix up my spots as much as I can on the on the serve. And I think that's uh, that's very positive that he was able to win 
you know, a lot of free points, get a lot of unreturned serves, and then just kind of play like dictating offensive tennis. I think uh, that Alcaraz might be that matchup. The three matches that he's won this year, we've really seen like the full complete array that Alcaraz really has to offer in terms of his uh, all ability and just the, the variation, the sort of the, the slice backhands. The, I, you know, I guess something that Korda did really well both times he beat Medvedev this year, which is use that, use those short slices, get Medvedev uh, inside the court on, on his backhand where he can't really do as much damage as when he's behind the baseline and kind of absorbing the pace and then, um, you know, try to finish, build up the point, finish at net and be very clinical while doing it. So, you know, I think tactically it was, it was, uh, it was a very good match for Medvedev. Of course, Medvedev did have a couple of early chances in the first set. Uh, but they were quickly erased by by Alcaraz brilliantly. Two really good white serves, and basically those were the only two break chances he he faced the whole time. But there were also other occasions in this match where he was down love 30, 15, 30, many different service games. Medvedev had a few looks in the first first couple of chances, and they were just completely uh, erased away. And so, I guess uh, credit to Alcaraz is serving because even in the Zverev match, he was serving extremely well. And so it, it looks like he's peaking at the right time again. Yeah, uh, I honestly didn't wa uh, didn't watch it as thoroughly as you probably. I was in the bed on the courts, of course, um, and um, basically I, I sort of stopped watching after the opening set. I, I didn't think that you know this was how it's go it was going to go from there or something like that. I, w I didn't have that sort of clarity, but you know mm. I just got a sort of an image of the match, and yeah, certainly Alcaraz just went back, <laughs> went right back to what he was using in um, Wimbledon especially, and um, yeah, just abusing that uh, deep return position, deep positioning in the rallies as well from Medvedev. Maybe not necessarily with drop shots because it's going to be hard on such a fast court, but yeah, definitely like fantastic at the net. And the touch he has on the first volley is pretty ridiculous, which we mentioned a few times. And um, in a way, this was pretty similar to Wimbledon, where I was expecting Medvedev's serve to just be a very important factor, and it wasn't. Uh, you know, Alcaraz still was going, was able to play like return plus one aggression a lot of the time, both in Turin and in uh, London, which uh, yeah is a very good sign for him. As Sean, I think, said a second ago in the chat, yeah, Alcaraz didn't like the fast conditions for one day. Uh, which is very true. I mean, we, st we still have to see how he's going to hold up against Novak and potentially Sinner. I think maybe even Sinner is going to be a bigger tell because yeah. of probably in the matchup um, with uh, Yannick, uh, these conditions could be more um, beneficial to, to Yannick against Alcaraz than Novak against Alcaraz. So, um, yeah, I think maybe if we see a final like this, then, then that would be really telling. But yeah, he showed his ability to adapt for sure. And um, yeah, we, we even talked about this yesterday, right? That like um, Alcaraz might have a slight issue with these cards and especially with the fact that he isn't, go that, that um, we don't have any other super fast indoor hardcourts on tour, you know, in the, in the sort of warm up to it. But uh, it's not like he cannot adapt to it and that he's certainly going to be more successful on indoor, indoor hard than Nadal ever was if we have to make that comparison. There's a quote from uh, Medvedev here on my screen, which I haven't seen. Uh, yeah, <laughs> he, he, he's true, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah he, true. He, what, what he says is very true, yeah, that um, we, we said it a few times, that the touch that you, that you need to have on the first volley is, is definitely quite ridiculous. And yeah, at the US Open, I think Alcaraz just started overplaying it. He had no idea how to beat Medvedev any other way, so he started just doing it on every single point, and then... Um, 
then it's not exactly uh, the efficient strategy that we know anymore. Um, servant volley for Catalyst didn't actually work out that much. Maybe maybe not necessarily servant volleying, but um, approaching the net more so during the rallies. Yeah, and then uh, good like serve plus one, and then good, uh, good, yeah. good shots on the fourth wall that were like off the return, and then like return plus one, I guess, and then coming yeah. in on that, and so... Good hands basically at the net, good efficiency. Not so much outright servant volley because he was also going to the yeah. T serve quite a lot, and probably that's a little bit more dangerous to servant volley against Medvedev on. Um, Indoors, so. it could also be tougher to, to servant volley, yeah. I think, because it's just going to come back even faster at you, and um, your contact point on the volley is probably going to be a nightmare. Uh, like of course, of course, it's still good if you're like a servant volleyer, like a player with a super big serve. Uh, but I think if we're just thinking Alcaraz Medvedev, he actually might have a better shot at servant volleying against Daniel, I don't know, Indian Wells, for example, than in Turin, mm. um, which is pretty cool to think about. If um, yeah, because yeah, Alcaraz can, can, you know, Medvedev can also hit dip it really low at your feet, and he can yeah. You know the low bounce uh, is is going to make it easier for him to to kind of maybe read it a little bit and also maybe really the stretch. Block, I know. guess since he's like so deep. Yeah. But if he also had a had a block return, then indoors maybe it would have been. But anyway, um, yeah, still uh, an excellent performance, definitely from Carlos Alcaraz. He gets out of the groups. He also wins it in two, which was crucial, um, in order to let him top the group. And as a reward for topping the group, <laughs> could ask you why <laughs> Novak Djokovic. Oh, and by the way, I, I, I'm not sure if you if you answered that just before we get to the semifinal previews, because our next points on the agenda are just John got the Alcaraz Medi matchup right and Vanshin did it. But um, <laughs> did you answer that? I mean, um, I asked whether if they play tomorrow, if they play on, on Sunday, uh, would your like perception of the matchup change, or would you still consider Medvedev a slight favorite? Um, no, I'd probably make Alcaraz a slight favorite, but it also kind of depends on how their semifinals are. Like if they're, if Medvedev oh. has like this ridiculous match with Sinner and it's like three, three and a half hours and, you know. And but they start, like, right? Alcaraz they they looks, play first, so. Yeah. Uh, and then, then how, uh, and then I guess how Alcaraz looks against Djokovic, like which kind of Novak shows up and, and all of that, I guess that would kind of maybe factor more into it. But like, I think. Uh, I think I have a stat that like most of the time, like 11 out of 19 times, I think that the result from the round robin is actually reversed in the final and eight times it stayed the same. So, but that's not really, you know, that's just more like historical trends. It's not really like matchup specific, but uh, I think, I, I think I just, I, I just don't really trust Daniel anymore to play the, the level that he played at the U.S. Open, because that's kind of what's required to beat Alcaraz in this matchup. Like, he really has to be, like, that much on um, it like he was in New York. I, I kind um, of think that he just sort of had to, at the U.S. Open, I kind of think that he just had to stick with him until a certain point, and that certain point was 6-all, yeah. 3-all in the tiebreak in the opening set. And that's when uh, the fact that against Medvedev, Alcaraz has to play very smart and sort of be very aware and, you know, execute all the patterns in with, with just, yeah, mm. clarity of mind. And then suddenly there's a close score. He loses that for just one second and the match just gets completely turned around. 
I mean, he loses the next four points, he loses the second set, and there's no no way to turn back. I actually don't think that Medvedev played as well as he himself thinks in that US Open semifinal. Uh, but of course, he was excellent. But like 12 out of 10 or whatever he said, um, I think that was, you know, a little bit of a stretch. But uh, certainly, I, I think that's sort of what, what he needs, you know, not to allow Alcaraz to just run away with things like at Wimbledon, like here at the ATP finals, where, you know, the opening set is not even tiebreak. There's no real sense of it being close because there's this one break and uh, well, of course, it wasn't here. It wasn't like right away, but still, it happens like midway through the set. And um, yeah, I, I would I would probably uh, say that this was like key for me at the US Open to to stick around with Alcaraz, see if under pressure he will also be able to just keep executing the right patterns. And he actually failed at that at some point. Maybe also the um, thigh thing that he had that could have played in, into it as well. Uh, no, actually, John Nurlan is the king. He said earlier that uh, the king just came, and I think he meant him. And um, yeah, <laughs> that's that's it when it comes to the king topics and who's the king of tennis and tennis knowledge. So um, let's get to the semifinal previews, right? Yep. I mean, first up is Medvedev Center, which uh, has become a really fun match to watch in the last. Well, basically two matches with uh, Beijing and Vienna. Particularly Vienna was just excellent uh, from both guys and really just high caliber. And we saw Yannick really able to showcase a lot of his uh, a lot of his improvements. And Medvedev actually played pretty high level as well. Um, do we expect kind of more of the same tomorrow when when it comes to these two bringing a high level? I guess the assumption being that uh, Medvedev is able to bounce back now from this round robin defeat and kind of put it behind him, and you know reset and then and then center as well to recover from the from the back issue that was suddenly bothering him in the second set yesterday and at times early on in the third uh assuming those two things are you know not a factor do we think yeah. uh, that center is probably the favorite here yeah i i think so i think he deserves to be the favorite he is the favorite for the bookmakers and uh, it might feel a bit. It might feel a bit weird because, like before Beijing, we were pretty much saying that this matchup is so rough for him. He has turned it around. I'm not at that sort of stage where, like, people were saying, for example, you know, about the possibility of tanking and then potentially playing Medvedev, which actually would have been the other way around, you know, as we as we know now. Uh, but about this possibility, people were basically saying that okay, so Sinner has beaten Medvedev twice now, so he is gonna just do it again like what's the real effort and actually that's not how i perceive it at all i mean their matches in beijing and vienna were definitely quite arduous uh but um yeah uh, i think he has definitely improved his serving first and foremost and that's so important here the um the amount of free points that he can get especially on the touring courts and also the, just the sheer ability to step out of his comfort zone go to the net throw in something out of nowhere sometimes and that's sort of um you know attitude mindset that he has been showing of um yeah just sort of letting it lose a few on a few occasions um if it doesn't work it doesn't work on a certain point but that's fine in the long run um john says his sinner's health is okay i mean how could we know um if it's fine yeah he is the slight favorite for me over medvedev he was definitely fine in the third set against rune he got a day off 
I don't really see a reason to 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 think that he's going to be like you know, unable to compete tomorrow at his highest intensity. And uh, honestly, like this loss for Medvedev against Alcaraz, I don't think it will hamper him too much mindset-wise. But I, it kind of makes me think whether he actually has, you know, let's say they both come out and they play at their 110%. I actually am not sure if he's going to be able to, like, show the quality that he needs here against Medvedev, against Sinner in Turin, you know, at home and on, on courts that, that the Italian really, really enjoys. Mm, yeah, and with the crowd as well. It's going to be, yeah. uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of, uh, I guess... Those dynamics where uh, Medvedev is having to go back and forth with them, and between first and second serves, which he doesn't really like, and also the, yeah, just the applause for Yannick and the the ovations he's gonna get. I mean, that could be a you know that could mess with his head a little bit, but I guess just uh, sticking to the tennis. Oh, is this? I, I guess a lot of people are pointing to this post US Open. Djokovic in the in the round robin. I mean, yeah. <laughs> no, I, we've already seen it. Um, you know, have, ne- next step is the best of five play, Grand Slams. Here, the, this match doesn't matter whatsoever. Yeah, it's all about the majors next year, for sure. Yeah, I mean, of course it matters right now to him, but like in terms of seeing whether he has actually taken the next step, he has clearly taken it. And it's not here where we're going to see whether he has taken the next next one. <laughs> hmm. Isla says yep. that Sinner has a lot of momentum, and that's very true as well. Uh, after beating Rune, and it's it's kind of different if he lost to him. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the chances that we get a three-setter should still very much be high, I would say. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, potentially both of the matches, honestly, but especially this one. And... Um... Yeah, I, I, I do I do agree that uh, Sinner should be the favorite here. He is the favorite. That's spot on. Alcaraz Djokovic, though. Uh, fifth meeting between these two. Of course, we've already had three this year. Uh, yeah. Two and two. And on, on a fifth different surface, if you like, right? Uh, uh-huh. with, uh, Altitude clay and clay? <laughs> and regular clay, I guess, if you want to. Okay, okay. Sure. Yeah. I mean, we can even have them playing, I don't know, in Paris next year, and we're gonna say it's a it's a six <laughs> different surface. I thought you were gonna say it's mining challenger, and then they have to <laughs> off carpet as well. Honestly, that was the first thing that came to my mind. Like, you know, that they're not gonna play there unless they fall off like terribly, and then they they are still not gonna play there. Although Federico Delboni is dead. Uh, but yeah, anyway, Alcaraz Djokovic here. Um, I guess who should be the favorite is pretty clear. It's yeah, Djokovic is the question. Is of, like, yeah, sure. what what do you like, think about Alcaraz's chances? And you know, especially after the last two matches where he seemed to have eased in eased his way into Turin. Yeah, I mean, if you asked me at the start of the week, I would have said, nah, he doesn't really have that much of a chance. But I I think I give him much more of a chance now, to be honest. Um, just just kind of seeing seeing Djokovic play all these three setters. I get the feeling that he's a little bit more there for the taking right now, just at the right now. And I say like mm-hmm. in the last two, three days, just being, uh, just having yeah. a few more dips, having that one kind of game that could allow Alcaraz to get, get more into it. It's going to be interesting to see what Djokovic does on second serves because Alcaraz is, uh, you know, has been able to bother him a lot with kick serves. And oftentimes it's been 
more advantageous in the other conditions, but the kick serve doesn't work as well here uh, in these sort of conditions. So uh, that is going to be very interesting to watch and also how Akras deals with the pressure. I mean, he kind of already dealt with it really well at Wimbledon and bouncing back and managed to calm himself down a lot mentally to allow himself the, the opportunity to, to compete and play those physical type of points. So uh, I'm I'm assuming, I'm, I'm going to say that he's going to be fine and ready in, in terms of Mentally being able to go toe to toe with Djokovic for three or four hours, uh, so you know honestly this is this is probably a good spot and good time to play Djokovic, and in a semi rather than a rather than a final. But Djokovic is mind is more on the Davis Cup. I think he really wants to win that. Uh, that that is basically his biggest motivation now that he's got the year end number one locked up. So, you know, but but I do think uh, I do think Djokovic is going to be really amped up by this match too because yeah I mean. Just you know, it being Alcaraz, and he's gonna to want to win, and so I think it's gonna be really high quality. And uh, yeah, I don't really know which way it's gonna go. It's 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 tough to it's tough to really say, but uh, but I definitely like Alcaraz's chances way more than I did uh, at the start of the week. Yeah, me too. I'm definitely a lot more optimistic about this now. About this being a close match. Um, I think Djokovic, you know, by the time he gets to the semis, he is probably going to be a little more focused and motivated than he was maybe even at some points of the group stage. I don't think against Sinner, honestly, he had many dips. It was probably more so the catch match that was a little spotty, yeah. but it was also a good performance from, from Paul in the opening two sets, of course, the third, yeah, one to forget, 100%. And uh, yeah, as I said earlier, I think these courts are more detrimental to Alcaraz in the Sinner matchup than they are against Djokovic. Um, mm. at the, for Alcaraz, the, probably his like best course of action from here is to play, well, definitely, is to play Djokovic then Medvedev if, if he was to win the title, is to avoid Sinner at all. And uh, yeah, Rune especially was able to play against Djokovic like exactly the same as he did in Paris, you know? He was able to not get overwhelmed by the serve and plus one sort of forehand aggression that Novak can have right now in his game, which maybe he wasn't really known for in the past. Uh, you know, Alcaraz has that same sort of foot speed and and defense. And um, well, by 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 Vanch, by Vanch's yawning, you you would think that uh, it's for it's uh, you know he is uh, in a country where it's midnight, but it's actually no, me. <laughs> no it's actually you. Yeah, it's just. Food coma um, in the afternoon for sure. <laughs> yeah, the sugar rush. Um, anyway, um, yeah, I, I just believe that Alcaraz should also be able to get a lot of balls back and get himself into points on return. He has beaten Djokovic in conditions that were, well, pretty fast and let's say yeah. low bouncing as well. Wimbledon probably at this stage, you know, in our era, doesn't really compare. Uh, to Turin in terms of the speed, but still, it you know there are some similarities, and it does give me yeah. quite a lot of. Confidence. There are some similarities in how uh, how Alcaraz has been spot serving and yeah, making his targets a, a lot better too. To because the kick is not as, working, as you said, and yeah, it, it just kind of maybe for forces him to yeah go for it a little bit more, and seems to be paying off so far. Uh, Interesting question from Nuran as well. Is it just me, or I feel like in every single match against Novak, Alcaraz has been the better player. Somehow Novak has won two of them. Uh, definitely three out of the four. Uh, um, I would not say that's the case at Roland Garros when they played each other, um, just because of how dominant Djokovic really was in the first set, and the fact that he did have a break point to, you know, go up six five in the 
in the second, of course, Alcaraz also served for the second set at 5-3. Uh, and, and, you know, he definitely had all the momentum going into the third. And then, you know, then he, yeah. he had the cramps at one all in the third. But I definitely think... Uh, oh, oh, and then also, you know, for the first two sets, it was it was obviously Djokovic who had the missed uh, set point. And then, so, you know, you can, you can definitely argue it. But definitely in Cincinnati, he was the better player for a set and seemed to be handling the conditions better. And uh, was up a break as well in the in the second, and then once he, yeah, <laughs> I was laughing at the joint comment. It, yeah. Um, yeah, Wimbledon, I actually would say that I, I I'm not even sure Carlos was the better player there. You know, no, like definitely not so for the first well two for sets the, for the set and a half. Yeah, maybe even yeah. set and eighty percent of the second one. Mm-hmm. Carlos mm-hmm. kind of steals it. And uh, yeah. yeah, I actually am not even sure if I would say that Alcaraz was the better player at Wimbledon. Didn't they win like a very similar amount of points as well? And um, they did, yeah. Yes. Yeah. I can't remember what it was, but it was like exactly the same almost. So I actually think that at Wimbledon, you know, he wasn't like strictly the better player. It was like a super tight match where he won the important points. Uh, Ron Garros, mm-hmm. yeah, he had the momentum going forward into the third. It was that moment where like his forehand started taking over, but we have no way of knowing whether that would actually continue. Um, but it was like a 51-49 Alcaraz for me. Cincinnati, I get what you mean. And uh, Madrid, yeah, I, I do think that he was like, uh, even though it was so tight, three hours and 30 minutes or whatever, 38 or something like that, I, I, I think he actually was pretty much throughout um, almost a better player. So, um, yeah, um, I, I get what you mean, but actually it's Wimbledon. I'm, I'm not sure about that, really. Um, yeah. I, I think it was just a bit of a, you know, I, he won the sets, he won the points, but, uh, well, he won the points that he had to sort of. Um, anyway, what else do we have? Alcaraz can play freely, says Ayla. It's Djokovic who has all the pressures, the defending champion. I don't know if Djokovic really feels the pressure of being the defending champion. You know, the guy has, like, he's the defending defending champion champion. at half the events he plays. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know if this really matters to him all that that much more than actually just taking one more title. Like, I don't think it really adds to the pressure that he, that he won this event in 2022. But yeah, I think he's going to come super hungry anyway. I mean, he's playing Alcaraz. He knows yeah. what sort of matchup that is that he can potentially be playing like the next player with double digit slams. So, yeah, I mean, I think he's going to bring it, and I hope that Alcaraz is going to bring it. But again, he he felt it at Wimbledon though. Like, did he feel the pressure of being the defending champion? How mm. do we classify that? Like, I don't think so. Uh, especially as at Wimbledon, he wasn't even defending points, right? Everyone was gaining them, so yeah, I don't, I don't think that the pressure and and if he even felt the pressure at Wimbledon because, well, Alcaraz steals the second set and from that point onwards is just a good tussle between uh, two amazing players. But yeah. like, yeah, why do we think it was because of because he was the defending champ? I, I don't really think that's the case. Like, I think it's just more important that it was a slam final rather than the fact that he won that slam in two thousand twenty one. And that's the same I would, uh, way I would sort of approach uh, this one. But yeah. Yeah. In a way, I think both can can really play just without really thinking about rankings and points and defending titles and all, and all of that. So that's why I think it's we could be in for a real thriller with this one just because, you know, those those outside factors are just kind of mm-hmm. removed. But I think these two players are so great anyway that they're uh, they're usually just able to make it more 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 so about the critical points and you know, the tactics and stuff. So 
so far we don't have any re reason reason to believe that uh, this this won't be a good match. You know, I would say. Yeah, I, I hope it will be. And by the way, I'm not saying he didn't feel any pressure. I'm just saying saying it like that, sort of that he felt at Wimbledon. It sort of implies that he lost because of it, and that was what I was what I was referring to. Of course, all players feel pressure in any match, really. Uh, which surface would produce the best match between Alcaraz and Djokovic on average? Um, I have my answer, I think. Let me think about it. What's what's yours as well? Uh, yeah, I think I have my answer, actually. Like uh, amongst the five or amongst the three? Um, no, let's just pick from clay, grass, in, uh, indoor, hard and hard, maybe. I think that's that's probably the way she, we should do it. Right or or what 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 which five did you want to include altitude clay or no no I guess no this is just way, way more than just okay yeah let's let's just, let's just get the four out basically yeah um, you know maybe maybe it could be hardcore just why not I wanted to say clay could be clay yeah could be I mean of course we didn't really get to see the full extent of it at Roland Garros but yeah you know. Uh, yeah, honest, honestly, I don't know. It could be any. It could be anywhere. If you were to give me Djokovic Alcaraz, um, like tomorrow, you know, at any of the big venues of the ATP Tour, well, Madrid, but that yeah, that's a a bit of a different clay, and also two years ago. But um, yeah, if you were to give me Djokovic versus Alcaraz tomorrow on any, literally any um, court of the thirteen, let's say, well, fourteen along with ATP Finals. I think I would want to see them again at Ron Garros, but maybe it's just the yeah. fact that we that we just we were robbed in it. Yeah. Much. yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. That's a but fair slow, answer. Slow hard court is an interesting answer as well. Yeah. Yeah, something something like that. But um, I think tomorrow should be exciting too. Uh, I I am yeah. really hopeful for that match to deliver, and you know, not be um, routing in either way. Like just for the players to come up and after 30 minutes i hope that we're not gonna be like okay this guy has won get me away from the screen <laughs> i don't think that's gonna happen no and um Sinner medvedev has that potential for me maybe a little bit more if Sinner is just at that ridiculous level that he's been at so far but um maybe i'm just disappointed with medvedev today as well and that is sort of playing into my thoughts here yeah, for sure. Medvedev gave himself an 8.5 today out of 10, by the way, uh, for his performance. And he said that uh, he did not play his best uh, against Vera, but he won. <laughs> and so and today, if, yeah. if he gives himself 8.5 for today, then I'm not yeah. surprised he gives himself 12 out of 10 against Alcaraz at the US Open. So, yeah, yeah. you know, I mean, look, he just, he just really rates Alcaraz. He just really, really rates him. Hmm. Um, yeah, that much has been really clear. I think the especially the Indian Wells and Wimbledon matches, like in his head. Yeah. Just makes it seem like yeah. And against Sinner, he was six and zero, right? So it's it's kinda understandable that even though some yeah. of it is a matchup thing, he actually considers him a lesser player. Maybe not than himself, but at least Donald Donald Caras. Mm. Yeah. I guess that kind of makes sense, yeah. Yeah. And I guess, I mean, he did say that Alcaraz played a ridiculous game to break him at 3-all in the first set, which is kind of true. And then and then he, he, he more blamed himself for the break in the second, mm -hmm. which I guess uh, would, would make sense. So, uh, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, okay. and of course it reads as it reads as shade, you know, between Medvedev and Zverev again. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Medvedev just hates this very matchup as well, and he's like, "No, he's we're gonna have again. to torment people with that again." But you know what, guys? We're not gonna see Medvedev and Zverev in 2023. Yes. Anymore. Hooray. Unless there's like an exhibition that they both play, uh, World Tennis League or whatever. But then I'm I'm definitely not tuning in, even if it was the only match on the planet at that point. Uh, no, 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 I'm not. Yeah, I mean, then I will be hoping they're not in the same quarter at the Australian Open either, with where they're ranked right now. Um, when are you guys gonna come back from holiday? Honestly, uh, I don't know. I'm not following that that all that much i think i saw today that um it was like a sponsored post that someone mm. um, like she is on holiday in the maldives with uh, her friends like her friends family organized it and there was some company involved that's why it was the sponsor the maldives post. i didn't know tennis yeah. players went there every often <laughs> <laughs> yeah per perhaps she's gonna meet Melo and zverev vacationing together uh, but anyway, uh, Svantec said that she it's going to be like a few days before she hits the courts again. So, um, yeah, that, that's really all I know. If Carlos Alcaraz is confidential, hopefully you can take this. <laughs> what? Um, any sympathy for Zverev? Yeah, we did, we did say that, yeah. Uh, that um, yeah. he is basically quite unlucky not to make it. And realistically, probably the fifth best player still. But he is closer to the four that made it than, uh, than to Tsitsipas, Rune, and Rublev, for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I probably thought he was going to finish the year number five um, after the US Open. Yeah. So, the, you know, the fact that he didn't, he just had a couple of four. No, I, I was just talking about this event, by the way, not not about oh, yeah. the yeah, whole. Yeah. I, as, as a whole, yeah, as a whole, he, he actually probably deserves to be like 6-7. But mm -hmm. uh, I mean, just at this event, I think he was yeah. very close to making it to that top four. But I'm glad we got that top four. Yeah, Michael, I figured that you, you meant confident. But confidential is kind of funny in this in this context, too. Uh, yeah. Is Nurlan and his random questions and also Elise Mertens, is this regarding like sympathy? Because John says, but any sympathy... For Zverev winning his last match and Alice Mertens. Any news about Alice Mertens that I should know about? No, apart from that she won the Jasmine Open. <laughs> <laughs> Against Jasmine Paulini. Yeah, yeah. That, was, that was a while ago, though, so probably not any news. I guess she was also at the WTA finals, right? But Yeah, um, the doubles. Yeah, I don't know if I should feel any sympathy for it. For it. Um, but anyway, um, yeah. Oh, she's also in the, in the Maldives. Oh, she's in the Maldives. Okay. That's yeah, what you meant. Okay. That makes sense. Um, yeah, I think that I think we're going to be wrapping up then. Um, any final words? Any comment on the matchup? No, I think we covered yeah. it all. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's going to be a super exciting day. So, guys, make sure to tune into that. Um, I'll probably have to watch Sinner Medvedev in Danderit again. Well, I'm. Still gonna be in the bed. We're gonna be watching Alcaraz uh, Djokovic, but it's gonna be here at this very desk. But you get to watch Brandon Nakashima. So yeah, I get to watch Brandon Nakashima against the new Belgian goat. Today he beat the old Belgian goat, David Goffin. Now he's gonna play Alexander yeah. Blocks, who, by the way, is gonna be like oof, massive in any really, really soon. He's quite good. And, yeah. 
I also am going to get to watch Maximilian Martel against Flavio Koboli, which I would suspect indoors should be very easy for Martel, but we shall see. Uh, both players at a very similar ranking range and sort of fighting to stay, uh, fighting to make the Australian Open. Koboli actually withdrew from Valencia, so this is his last event before the next-gen finals, so a bit of pressure, I guess, maybe, because, yeah, he's, like, not sure of making it, I think, but we'll see, depending how many PRs are there. Uh, but, yeah, um, last chance to see him before Jeddah, I guess. So, and there's also going to be the doubles final, you know, I'm so excited for that, but actually it's a, it's a, it's a pretty good one. Um, yeah. Julian Cash with Bart Stevens against um, Chandra Sekar and Krasnan. So, uh, yeah, the top two seats and, and should be pretty high quality. I hope that I'm going to have the will and uh, the willpower to stay for it because it's after the single semifinals, which always makes it kind of tricky. Uh, but, you know, um, yeah. unless it's like really late. Yeah, I, I, I think I should be on for, uh, for Carlos Novak. Um, yeah. the, the actually one more thing the doubles in Turin is very exciting too because oh, yeah, we could have a, could, yeah, could have a rematch of the US Open final in the, in the doubles with uh, Roman Salisbury and uh, Bopana and Ebden so. yes John I am wearing a Beatles t-shirt it's Revolver and uh, tune in guys remember because uh, Nurlan is going to give his breakdowns after both matches so I'm excited to see that I'm probably not going to be able to tune in after Medvedev Sinner, but after, you know, the one that I'm probably going to do. So, Akash Djokovic, yeah. And, yeah, the doubles. Uh, I think the top two seeds went out, right? With Kolhovskavski yeah. and um, Todi Krajcek, but still a good field. Any ideas there as to who's the favorites? <laughs> doubles. Is I don't know. So I'm going to stick with the rematch of the US Open final. I think it could happen. Um. Okay, I would probably go with Granoris Zabios to, to win the first one, given that they dominated the group so much. I think they also uh, did very well in the past in the, at the ATP finals, yes. didn't they? But Are I'm they... going to ignore that because I need Rohan Bopana to become number one at 43 years of age. Ah, okay, <laughs> that's why. Well, maybe... maybe yeah, just okay, be a really cool story, and I'm rooting for that. So. Yeah, basically they made the semis twice, Granoris Zabios, not, not, not more... But yeah, still, I, I think that's that's a pairing that I enjoy more than Bopana Ebden. I actually think that Bopana Ebden, you know, their the results have been a little yeah, they've better been, than... Um, yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I don't think they're quite as good as some of the pairings here. But of course, they are. They, they keep pulling it off, so it's fine. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, Ramsalsbury definitely in the other semi, I think, look, look like the favorites to me. Uh, over um, Gonzalez and Roger Vaslem. But Gonzalez and Roger Vaslem, I think they've won like a billion titles recently as well. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, they're all, these are all yeah. like, yeah, very good. Yeah. I think, yeah, five titles this year, uh, Gonzalez and Roger Vaslem. And that was Basel and Paris as well. So, you know, they mm-hmm. are uh, the inform pairing, if you may. So, uh, it's very possible actually that they will. Um, that they will um, trouble um, Ram and Salisbury. Uh, yeah, so now we probably say bye, right? Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. what, the, the fast cards were quickly okay, says Alcantara. Yeah, I, 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 again, I, I don't really think that, um, again, I don't really think that Alcaraz was not okay with the courts in the first place. It's just more that, you know, it was so fresh and new because there's no other courts like that around. But yeah, certainly now now he's not going to be complaining. And now John yeah. Revolver is not the first album of the Beatles you 
uh, uncultured. <laughs> it's it, it's the first good album, though. Like very, it's it's the first actually good. Like the the first um, one where it's like more experimental and um, more ambitious. Let's say that. Um, but um, yeah, definitely not the first. It's like the sixth or seventh. I would have to count. But anyway, I'm not gonna bore you while uh, try to remember. So yeah, I guess this is our cue to to go. Um, let's yeah. um, get our producer to to end the stream. And thanks to her and also to you, Vansh, and to all the people in the chat. And make sure, guys, to tune into our streams tomorrow. Yep. If you enjoyed this video, make sure you hit that like button. Don't forget to subscribe and click that notification bell so you don't miss out on all things tennis. I don't know if you're there, Anastasia. Can you hear me? Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.